This episode of the FNRs podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Order delicious looking meals like the garlic herb butter steak and lobster tails or the spinach gnocchi with heirloom tomatoes. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. I sense you do not trust me. Perhaps this will help. Sorry I'm late. Just woke up two minutes ago. Who are you? A friend. I am the Knight. I am Batman. I am the protector of the deep. I am Aquaman. I am returning. Not the boy who was shipwrecked, but the man who will bring justice to those who have poisoned my city. My name is Oliver Queen. Brightest day in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome back to the FN Nerds Podcast. My name is Nick Venizio, and sitting across from me is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Martin Moreno. How we doing, bro? Hang in there, bro. Trying to wake up. It's a little early in the morning. It is a little early in the got morning. Got some coffee. Got some sun. Oh, yeah. We're chilling. We're vibing. Let's do this. Well, today, Martin, is a special one. Today is our turn to unite the seven. As you know, there has been an absolutely epic podcasting event going on these last few weeks called Unite the Seven, where seven extremely talented podcasts are each covering a member of the Justice League. Why are you laughing, bro? We're talented. I don't know. If, we're talented. If it's supposed to be extremely talented, then I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> we don't belong. No. Uh, so far in this event, we've had comic book keepers who have covered Wally West, a.k.a. The Flash. First Issue Club, who have covered Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman, and our boys over at the Oblivion Bar took on Clark Kent, a.k.a. The Superman. All these episodes are great, so everyone make sure you go check those out. But now we're hitting the halfway point. It's our turn. It's the effing nerds time. But before we really kick things off, if you're a new listener here for the United Seven event, welcome to our show. Uh, Martin, do you want to tell these new folks just who we are yes we are semi-professional movie pundits and amateur bodybuilders if you guys understood that reference we can be friends <laughs> um but yeah like many of these podcasts we essentially cover all things geek and pop culture so to speak from tvs shows comic books you name it we do film reviews tv reviews we do effing discussions which are really fun that's kind of our own thing where we pull a blu-ray from the shelf we watch it and we discuss it. We are all about physical media. Oh, yeah. We are those physical media sluts over here. <laughs> and we got um, over 300 Blu-rays. That we do. Oh, good for you. So we like to, you know, pull one out, discuss it. <laughs> it's the only time we pull out. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, discuss it and then uh, and go from there. So that's us, um, two clowns from Jersey talking nerd shit so i uh, hope you guys enjoy the show absolutely all right man let's get into this for our episode of unite the seven we will be covering oliver queen aka green arrow and i'll be honest with you martin this character was not even on my radar when deciding who we could have done for the event and we were yeah going over because our choices. uh apparently <laughs> this group of podcasts are a bunch of sexists <laughs> Uh, you're like, let's do this thing. And I'm like, all right, who's available? I did not know that Wonder Woman was available. I'm pretty sure, sure I told you, too. I'm pretty sure it didn't. Or else mm. I would have 100% gone with Wonder Woman. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. But apparently she was available. I didn't know that. So I'm like, all right, let's just go with Oliver. 
I then find out that no one picked Wonder Woman. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Hmm, that's suspicious. <laughs> that's weird. Uh, but yes. Well, maybe for the uh, for the next event, we do unite the ladies. The ladies. We'll do Wonder Woman. So right now we're putting a stamp on it. The FNRs call Wonder Woman when we come back around and do this again. Holy shit, a lady. But, I mean, for Green Arrow, bro, that was definitely uh, a bit of an offbeat choice when you look at who the main members of the Justice League are. But when I started doing my own research into the character, I started to learn who Oliver Queen was. And he's this guy with extremely strong beliefs. He's stubborn as hell. And he's kind of an asshole. So who better to cover the character than us? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> sure. I mean, if this is your first time here, then, yeah, you probably agree with that statement. Mm. Based off of the five last five minutes. Alone. Just, just Yeah, just, just a little bit. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, all right, man. So let's um, let's talk about our experience with Green Arrow. For you, man, what's your history with the character? When were you introduced to this character? And do you remember the first comic you read with him in it? I do remember the first comic I read with him in it. Uh, I was a young lad, un niño, um, and I'm pretty sure it was Dark Knight Returns. Um, at that point, I wasn't all too familiar with uh, like the overall members of DC and Justice League, so. When he first popped up in Dark Knight Returns, I was a little um, unsure as to who he was. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that was kind of the first comic book that I read him in. And then over the years, the more kind of comics that I read with Batman and Superman, because those were like essentially the main comics that I read growing up, mm-hmm. were Batman and Superman comics. He would pop in here and there. And then, like I said, over the years, as I got older, I started to broaden my comic book reading experience. I came across more Green Arrow issues. Gotcha. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Like, I read... The Dark Knight Returns at a young age because all I cared about was Batman when yep. I was younger. So Classic. that was all it was. And, you know, you come across Green Arrow, who's like this old, broken down man missing an arm. And, you know, in not so many words, he blames Superman for it. Uh, and it was funny, too, because I had never really thought about that until I was doing research for this is how did he lose his arm? And it's never really implied in Dark Knight Returns. I mean, it's, it's kind of as a little bit right. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's... It's like heavily implied. Yeah. It's it's It was kind of like um, an incredible situation from what I recall where they were essentially asked to hang up the cape. Mm-hmm. So Hal left, you know, he became a, become like a galaxy space judge. Right. Uh, Diana went back to the mascara. And, but when it came to Oliver, as you mentioned, how he's a stubborn asshole, he didn't really want to. He kind of refused. So then it is implied that Superman essentially cribbles him. Right to sideline him for good gotcha i mean i know that there's a story i believe it came out in like the mid 90s i think it's green arrow volume two i want to say it's issue 100 where there's a situation where oliver's on a plane with a terrorist and he gets his arm basically trapped in a kill switch for for a bomb and superman shows up and basically gives him options like Mm -hmm. hey man like i can either do this 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 or this and oliver's like nah like i can't like i don't want to lose a limb like just blow up the bomb and let me go with it Superman's like, that's not an option. I'm not going to let you die. So he ends up cutting. Boy Scout. Exactly. Boy Scout to the end. So cuts off his arm and Oliver blames him for that. So that's not uh, what happens in Dark Knight Returns. But people look to that as like uh, a possibility as to what might have happened. Yeah. Kind of like that's how kind of like the animosity grew. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly how it started. You draw too much attention to yourself. Always have. I mean, sure, you play it mysterious, but it's a noisy kind of mysterious. You. They have to kill. What is it you want, Oliver? A piece of him. The schoolboy. I always knew it would come down to the two of you someday. The world's not big enough for the both of you. Doesn't have to be a big piece. Just count me in. For old time's sake. Still hurts when it's cold. Lately, it's been cold a lot. Um, but then also, like, I had no knowledge of, you know, Oliver Queen going into this or any of his stories. I mean, obviously, there's the Arrow CW show, which we're going to get into later on. Uh, but I never really got into that. And so doing this has caused me to really sit down and read some of these runs. And it's really been awesome, man. Like, I've become not just a fan of Oliver Queen, but of characters like Black Canary, John Diggle, Shadow, Roy Harper, just the wealth of characters that are in Oliver's story. And it's it's been it's been a lot of fun, man. It really has. All right, so let's continue on, and we're going to kind of get into Oliver Queen's character history, powers, and abilities. And uh, you know me, bro. I love to do my half-assed internet research. Yeah. So let's get into Green Arrow's origin. 
Created by Mort Weisinger and designed by George Pat, Green Arrow first appeared in More Fun Comics number 73 in November 1941. His real name, Oliver Jonas Queen, a wealthy businessman and owner of Queen Industries, much like Bruce Wayne, uses his status as a billionaire playboy in Star City to hide his secret identity. His alter ego, Green Arrow, is an archer who uses his skills to fight crime in Star City, which is basically Seattle, uh, as well as alongside his fellow superheroes as a member of the Justice League. Justice, Justice League. His abilities include peak human physical and mental conditioning, master martial artist and hand-to-hand -hand combatant, master archer and marksman, and an expert acrobat. Oliver utilizes high-tech equipment, armor, compound bow, and various types of specialty arrows with various special functions such as glue, explosive tipped, grappling hook, flash grenade, tear gas, and even kryptonite arrows in a range of special situations. Bro, how do you not mention the boxing glove? Oh, that's right, there is a boxing glove, yeah. Amateur. That's why you're here, bro. You can yeah. pick me up. All right, so continuing the half-assed research and this fucking script, um, <laughs> even though Green Arrow debuted in the early 1940s, it wasn't until the late 1960s that he started gaining popularity. Writer Denny O'Neill and artist Neil Adams, Neil Adams baby, all the comic book fans out there know that name, fucking stud, redesigned the character and chose to have him lose his fortune, making him a streetwise crusader for the working class and a disadvantage. In 1970, he was paired with Green Lantern in a groundbreaking socially conscious comic book series. Since then, he has been popular among comic book fans, and most writers have taken an urban, gritty approach, Nick, you know I love that word, gritty, gritty approach to the character. And in a bit, we'll get into some more of those famous Green Arrow stories. Hell yeah. Outside of the comics, Green Arrow has appeared in just one episode of the animated series Super Friends in 1973. Then in the 2000s, he popped up in a number of DC television shows, including the animated series Justice League Unlimited, Young Justice, The Batman, Justice. and Batman the Brave and the Bold. Right, I should have been saying Justice, as well as several DC animated original movies. In live action, he appeared in the series Smallville, played by Justin Hartley, which we're definitely going to get into. Smallville. <laughs> Tell me about Smallville. Smallville. And then in 2012 with Arrow, featuring Stephen Amell as the title character, Arrow went on to launch several spin-off series, becoming the starting point for a shared television DC universe known as the Arrowverse. Green Arrow also appeared in 2017's Injustice 2 video game, where he is married to Black Canary and part of Batman's Resistance. Mm -hmm. So, about Black Canary, Ollie. Dinah's my wife, pal. I was just going to ask if she had a sister. All right, Martin. So as you just mentioned before, we're going to talk about some of Green Arrow's more famous comic runs. Uh, and we're not going to go super, super in-depth to this. This is kind of like Green Arrow 101. Hopefully this piques some of your guys' interests. And after hearing about this, you go and check it out for yourselves if you haven't already. Uh, in the early 1970s, Green Arrow became a co-lead in Green Lantern from writer Dennis O'Neill and artist Neil Adams. The acclaimed series dealt with various social and political issues, including the Snowbirds Don't Fly story arc where Roy Harper is revealed to be a heroin addict. That storyline specifically was award-winning and came at a time when drug addiction was really in the public eye. Moving on to The Longbow Hunters, which dropped in 1987, written and illustrated by Mike Grell. Came at a time, bro, when DC had a more mature comic line for their audience. So this is kind of when DC's moving out of, like, the Super Friends 1970s kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And they're getting really dark. Your favorite word, gritty, bro. Like, this is when Dark Knight Returns was coming out. Year one. Year one. Killing so just joke. a way more mature time in DC. Yeah, I think the late to, I think the mid to late 80s is a really important time when it comes to DC Comics. Because that's really when there was a huge sort of, like, character dynamic shift in the world, so to speak. Which... Like the, the reason we have the Batman that we have today is because of that dynamic shift in the mid to late 80s. Right, absolutely. I mean, that's when also the like Batman came out with Tim Burton, which took a very dark approach mm -hmm. after moving out of like the Adam West time, you know? Exactly. But back to the Longbow Hunters. The miniseries follows Green Arrow and Black Canary taking on a group of drug runners that eventually leads to Black Canary getting captured and brutally tortured. Yikes. Oliver ends up murdering her attackers. Yikes. This is also where we get our first introduction to Shadow, who becomes a major supporting character in future Green Arrow stories. The series proved popular enough that DC Comics commissioned the first ever Green Arrow ongoing series written by Grell. The series ran for 11 years. And as I was saying before, with it being very dark and gritty, I looked to the Longbow Hunters as Green Arrow's Dark Knight Returns because this is where it kind of moved away from, uh, I guess, like the whole superhero aspect of Green Arrow and really like grounded him and like put him on the street. He's just a guy with a bow who's just, mm -hmm. you know, taking on crime. So this is really where uh, Green Arrow sort of comes into his own. I think this is where a lot of people came on, you know, obviously became so popular that it ended up being his own series. This is where people really got on board with Oliver Queen. Cool. 
All right, we're going to jump all the way to 2001 with Quiver, and we got somewhat of, of a shout-out from Comic Book Keepers who did a preview episode for this event, and when they came to talk about us and doing Green Arrow, uh, they mentioned, I hope they talk about Quiver. So I actually read Quiver, and it's, it's fucking bonkers, man. It's written by Kevin Smith and illustrated by Phil Hester and Ande Parks, and it sees Hal Jordan resurrect a dead Oliver Queen but without his soul. Hal is actually having a conversation with Oliver's soul, and they decide to resurrect him with his memories, but his soul wants to stay in heaven. <laughs> the resurrected Oliver has no memories of the events of the Longbow Hunters or the rest of the Grell Run. Uh, as I was saying, this arc is absolutely bonkers. It deals with heaven and hell, and there's demon fighting, and it's actually a blast to read, and I recommend everybody checking it out. Uh, we're going to jump now to 2007 with Green Arrow Year One. Written by Andy Diggle and art by Mark Simpson, which takes concepts of previous iterations of the character and kind of gives a brand new updated origin for Green Arrow. This is the story that really inspired all the flashback sequences in the Arrow TV series. And showrunner Mark Guggenheim acknowledged that when he created John Diggle for the show, which I had no idea that Diggle was an original character for the show. I thought he was always in the comics. No. So that was cool. That was really cool to find out. Um, he named John Diggle after Andy Diggle, and he said, we felt like we were drawing enough inspiration for year one that we felt we should name a character after Andy, so we did. And we will get into Green Arrow, but I know the flashback sequences get really bonkers as the show goes on. It doesn't really get bonkers, it just gets played out. It gets played out. They just, just milk the shit Well, I didn't realize it. that it goes on for eight seasons, that they're yeah. still doing flashbacks, so yeah, I thought it would have wrapped like, up. Uh, after a while, you're just like, oh my god, we're still here? <laughs> like, how much, I don't care. Like, what the fuck? Let's, let's get out of this island. Come on, let's yeah. go. Really? Kind of played out, dude. Uh, and then moving on, bro, you can't really talk about Green Arrow without mentioning Black Canary. In 2007, there was a massive crossover series that surrounded their wedding after Green Arrow proposed to Black Canary at the end of her own miniseries. This series is filled with all kinds of twists and turns. Uh, it becomes this massive globetrotting adventure. And even though Green Arrow and Black Canary eventually do get married, bro, we know how this goes. None of the heroes we love can ever be happy. They yep. eventually split up. It's like Hollywood. It's just, just like Hollywood. Hollywood relationships do not last. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Martin, I've been talking for way too long. Take it from here. I want you to tell us about Cry for Justice and the New 52. Cry for Justice. All right. So um, I do not have a script. <laughs> but Cry for Justice, um, New 52. Hmm, okay. I wasn't the biggest fan of the New 52 run um, for me. Um, but see, like, I'm easy. Yeah. I'm easy, Nick. Yeah. So, like, if you have – if the story is not the greatest – you can sell me the, on the artwork. Right. And I wasn't really the biggest fan of both the story or the artwork for the New 52 when it came to Green Arrow because I felt like the artwork was a little... The best way I can describe it is like early Rob Liefeld days. Okay. As uh, For the people who don't know who Rob Liefeld is, he's the one who created X-Force, Deadpool. Um, I feel like some people should know him because in recent years, he's kind of become more of a popular figure. I think there's also a lot of people that don't like him. No, it's it's known yeah, that he's very hated. Like that, a lot of people, yeah, yeah. Well, it's only because, and he owns it. I know he, he embraces owns it, it because yeah. you know, like when. I mean, I don't know. I don't really want to get into this too much. Um, <laughs> but when him and fucking Tom McFarlane, who created Spawn, like Jim Lee, like when all these guys were booming in like the eighties, nineties, like, and they just blew up. Yeah, it was like they were young, they were stupid, and they were greedy. Right, and they were. It was just like a bunch of like backstabbing, a bunch of like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. It was like collaborative efforts followed by non-collaborative efforts, and mm -hmm. it was just like a huge incident that happened between all these um all these guys when they were younger. Wait, so was Rob Liefeld at the forefront of that? Because it seems like he takes the brunt of all that stuff as opposed to Todd McFarlane. No, because Todd McFarlane was doing the same thing. Like, right. They were all like secretly looking for like movie deals with people for their characters. You know, like they they all created major characters. Yeah, you know, so. Um, actually, Rob Liefeld has a great story about, um, I believe it was for Deadpool, meeting with Tom Cruise. Oh. And he was just like, he was just so ignorant and like didn't really take it seriously. Like he showed up to a meeting like an hour late. What? And Tom Cruise gave him like a pep talk like, man, like you can't do this. Like this is Hollywood. You gotta like be serious. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God. And I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> and if you listen to, he listens to Rob Liefeld talk, he talks like this. And he's like, oh my God. And he's like very animated. And he's like a crazy dude. I actually bumped into him at a con one time, and he was really cool. Yeah, he's really chill. I think, I mean, they, they've they've like I don't want to talk about this too much, but they've gone into depth a bunch of times of how they were just young and stupid, right? And they just did not take anything seriously, and they were just getting, they were making so much money, right? You're talking about at a time like in the '80s, '90s, they were making I believe like eighty dollars a page. Jesus. 
Can you imagine? I can't. Dude. Like that's you know, and just it, I mean, it's it's a whole situation. But um, but to get back to it, um, I felt like the artwork for New Fifty Two was a little. I don't want to say amateur because Rob Liefeld by no means is an amateur, but just like the anatomy and like the movement of the body was like, felt like old school Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Art. Well, I, I, every time you say that, I keep thinking of, and everyone will know this too, if they read comic books, that Captain America with the massive chest massive and chest. just looks weird, like how it's drawn. It's like stocky. Yeah. And it feels like very at home, like pencil sketches colored yep. in with like colored pencils. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but um, for the people who know Smallville, Tell me about small. I gotta find that clip. Yeah, yeah. it's from Inside of You. Okay. And, um, uh, Michael Rosenbaum always talks about how he was doing a movie with Steve Martin, and Steve Martin like came up to him, sat down, and he was just like, "Tell me about small." Was it really? Oh yeah. man, I gotta listen to that. Yeah, I gotta find that fucking clip. <laughs> he was so awesome, man. I've talked about it before, but I was at lunch sitting at a table, and he'd come over, and go, "Is this seat taken?" And he'd sit right next to me and tell me about Smallville. The look in Smallville was based off of New 52, even though New 52 came out afterwards. Yeah. Maybe it was like a chicken in the egg kind of thing. But for those who haven't read the comics, but who have seen Smallville, it was more in line with that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like with like the goggles, more tech yeah, approach. Yeah, the, the, the suit's a little bit more sleek. A little more sleek. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of more technology and stuff. Like I said, I'm easy. If the story's not great, but the art is good, right? You're, you're. I'm in. a little bit on board, yeah. and now it's kind of more. That's more in line for Cry for Justice because even though Cry for Justice, I liked it more than New Fifty Two because it's kind of like your um, I don't want to say your band of misfits, but it's kind of like the secondary characters. Yeah, it's led by Hal Green Lantern again and Green Arrow Oliver Queen, who are obviously popular characters. But then you also got people like Kongorilla, mm-hmm. you got people like Starman. We have um, Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. part of the Shazam family. Yep, yep. So he's kind of like secondary characters who don't get not enough um, time in, in the spotlight. Yeah. And it really follows them seeking justice mm-hmm. for the death of some major Justice League members such as Batman. And it is fun because you have like an interesting group of characters, but the artwork for Cry for Justice is absolutely incredible. It is from Mauro Caccioli. Um, maybe Italian, maybe Argentine. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he does his artworks more sort of like brush strokes. Yeah, and it's just beautiful, beautiful artwork. So definitely check that out because I'm definitely one of those people who, in a sense, appreciates the artwork just a little bit more because if the artwork is like very specific and it, you can like you can bring a lot of life to the page. Yes, from the artwork alone. Well, so. I noticed that. I mean, we're gonna get into the rebirth run, but when some of those artists take take on, yes, the, and like it's even even if the writing is a little eh, like I'm just so locked into to what I'm seeing. You know? Yeah, like some of the um some of those artists for the rebirth run are some of my favorite artists. Like working, working today. Now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and then the, the the cry for justice thing it deals with Prometheus, right? Mm-hmm. How's Prometheus as a villain? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Right. It's not a big issue. It's not a big. Uh, at least I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think it's only. I don't um, remember being like a. Big I think it's only thing. like seven issues or yeah, something like that. It was yeah. like a little spinoff thing, but right. like I said, um, it's also written by um, by uh, is it James Robinson? Yes, James yes. Robinson. Yeah, James Robinson, who is also great. Yeah, like the guy's written just so many good stuff. When we were doing back when the um Insta <laughs> FNR's Insta page was was popping, we were like put a lot of James Robinson work. Mm-hmm. He was really cool. And just one last thing on New Fifty Two Green Arrow, or just New Fifty Two as a whole. I didn't realize how much of a negative response New 52 had because I'm not the biggest comic book reader. I'm getting more into it as we do more podcast episodes like this, but there's a lot of Batman issues in New 52 that I love, like this where Court of Owls comes in and, and all kinds of other stories. But uh, New 52 as a whole scene. I was like right about to say it like, wasn't like. Because Court of Owls is the beginning. Yes. That's like the first volume. Right. And then I think New 52. Like, it, like, does it just, like, run I think out of steam? After, like, or? I think it ran out of steam really quick. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Right, yeah. okay. So, um, whereas the Rebirth, I mean, Rebirth and some issues, like like we were saying, um, uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I mean, none of them are as steady as Batman. Batman's, like, in the 100s. But yeah. But even, like, some, like, Aquaman and all these characters are, like, maybe 60s, 70s. Right. But, yeah, New 52 just kind of... Right now, seemed pretty quick. Right. Yeah. And it got, I mean, it got rebooted four years later. Right. So Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of that, man, let's jump into Rebirth here. Uh, so Rebirth for Green Arrow was written by Benjamin Percy, along with, as you were saying, bro, like this just all-star team of artists like Otto Schmidt, 
Juan Ferreira, uh, Stephen Byrne, like all kinds of different people have have tackled this. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's really good. I, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this. So what happens is Green Arrow, with the help of Black Canary, Amico Queen, a.k.a. Red Arrow, John Diggle, and a bunch of other characters take on a shady underground organization called the Ninth Circle. Mm-hmm. Green Arrow's rebirth run is actually over. It finished its run in March of 2019 with issue number 50. Mm-hmm. And this was the first thing that I read when we were going to do Green Arrow. Like when we found out, I was like, all right, you you mentioned, you know, reading the rebirth run. You said that there's... Mainly because of of Juan Ferrer's artwork. Yes, like, um, like you have to check this out. Juan Ferrer is one of my favorite artists working today. He's absolutely incredible. Um, everything he does, I'm just like when it comes to artwork, mm-hmm. just blown away. Um, some of the stuff that he did with Punisher and Thor. You have Foggy Nelson, right, of Daredevil riding a giant space goat. <laughs> like you just have some crazy shit in there. Um, it's a lot of fun. So definitely check out Juan Ferrer's work and. I have to be honest, I was a little underwhelmed by Spider-Man Noir. Oh, you were? Yeah. Because I remember you were reading that. You said you yeah. were really enjoying it. I was, I, I, I was, it's the artwork. Like, yeah. I'll be real. Like the artwork right. that Juan Ferrer's like black and white artwork in that run is incredible. The storyline, not the best, but definitely check it out for the artwork alone because it's, it's like amazing. Yeah. I mean, I really like, uh, he's doing... I don't know if he's doing all the issues, but he did some issues for uh, Batman Catwoman, like the whole thing with um, uh, Mask of Phantasm. No, that's that's um, Clay Man. Oh, it's Clay Man. And Tom Moreau, Mikkel Jansen. Oh, he's not, Ferrer's not doing any of that? I don't believe so, okay. no, no. A few moments later. And we're back. <laughs> we're back. And we just literally turned around and grabbed our Batman Catwoman comic because we said physical media and yeah. Um, I mean, as you guys can tell, I haven't really read. Martin Batman was right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Martin, Martin was right. right. No, because the only reason I know that so quickly off, off the top of my head because that was the same team that did a lot of the stuff in Rebirth. Oh, so okay. they were they, the same team that did um, War of Jokes and Riddles. Oh, so stuff like that. So uh, it's that that same artwork. And yeah, that's in, Clayman is another one of my favorites. Yeah. I absolutely love Clayman. Another one is Stepin Sedgic. Sedgic. Um, it's hard to step in Sedgic, I believe is how it's said. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of Aquaman stuff. Um, great work. Obviously, for the veteran Mike Mayhew, just yeah. like incredible stuff. So um, that gives you a little bit of an idea of the type of artwork that I like. Kind of right. more realism, a lot of life to it, more fluidity, kind of brush strokes, stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, Clayman, uh, and, and Clayman's a gorgeous man. So to speak. <laughs> yeah, guy's like a fucking supermodel. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I definitely love his uh his work and what he's doing on on Batman Catwoman. So I, I'm loving Batman Catwoman. By yeah. the way, you know, um, I know there's been a little bit of criticism um in recent Rebirth Batman issues, but just the phantasm and every and the way they're kind of continuing it. Yeah. Because they're essentially making the movie kind of canon. Right. And they're kind of continuing the story. It's been a, a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, but getting back to Green Hour Rebirth, uh, and we were saying with, with Juan Ferrer, like anytime I came across an issue that he was drawing and illustrating, like I immediately like, perked up just because I knew how awesome this artwork was going to be. And he tackles some of the biggest issues in this run. And then just talking about the run in general for Green Arrow, like I said, this was my first introduction into the character. And when it starts off, there's already that built in history. Oliver's already established as Green Arrow. And at one point in time, he was a part of the Justice League. But this is almost a reintroduction for characters like Black Canary. You know, she comes in that first issue and immediately they start working together and the romance gets going in full swing. And just what happens to Green Arrow? Like he has That's to go his on. Selena Kyle, bro. Oh, yeah. It's basically his Selena Kyle. Um, but just what happens to Green Arrow? Like at, early on, he loses his fortune. He loses his company. He gets framed for murder. And then it's just like this massive journey for him of just growth and sort of coming into his own and learning from past mistakes and it's it's just it's a lot of fun like there's there's so many things that happen and including like i didn't expect any of the just league members to come in because they talk about how much they hate oliver queen how much of a pain in the ass he is and then the first issue with that flash comes in and then all of a sudden next issue it's wonder woman then superman then batman and then green lantern and it's so cool to have him interact with these characters and even with green lantern dude because obviously where Green Arrow started to find popularity was in that 1970s Green Lantern run where they paired them up. Mm-hmm. Same for Cry for Justice. For Cry for Justice. him and Hal were leading the charge. Right. So in the issue that uh, Hal comes in for Green Arrow Rebirth, 
it's it's awesome how they sort of play it between them because you feel the history and just how they talk to each other, how you know what their dialogue is. And I, I really thought uh, Benjamin Percy did a good job of really playing that up because how he interacts with the other Justice League members as opposed to how he interacts with Green Lantern was just a lot of fun. And I could just, you know, as, as they're talking, you just feel, like I said, you feel that history between mm-hmm. them. Uh, and then also just the Ninth Circle as well. Really awesome uh, villains. Really cool design. It reminds me a lot of Court of Owls, just like the shady underground, but it's on such a global scale. Like they're yeah. basically like this this bank for. It reminds me of like the Court of Owls mixed with the Hand yes. from um, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, from the the, the uh, Daredevil villain because like some of them have like fucking like swords and shit, so mm-hmm. it's like a nice little blend. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then this run just also incorporates almost every single you know supporting character for Green Arrow. When it comes, like I said, when it comes to John Diggle, Roy Harper, Amico Queen, Shadow, uh, the Dark Archer, like uh, just all these characters just come into play here, and they do a really good job weaving you know just this web of a story. Uh, and it's a lot of fun, man. If if you guys have read it, uh, you know I, I hope you share the same sentiment as me. If not, definitely check it out. It's well worth jumping into. And I believe Ferrer does like the first four issues, doesn't he? He does, and then he just comes back yeah. and forth. You know, I also like uh, Otto Schmidt as well. I think his his artwork. Is yeah, Otto Schmidt fun. is incredible. Yeah, too. He yeah. Does, he has a lot of good work. Another there. one too is um similar to kind of like in that discussions. Um, Gabriel Delato. Yes. For the people who don't know, definitely he's another one that's kind of like uh, Catchulli, where it's more like paint, paint brushes and shit. Right. Right. Really good stuff. Hell yeah! All right, bro. Yes. Let's talk Smallville. Tell me about Smallville. Tell me about Smallville. Uh, because with Smallville, I've only watched, I think when I was a kid, I only watched the first like five seasons, but Smallville was still a a lot. It's still, it's still a lot. Uh, but Smallville was such a massive like show when we were younger, man. Like that was what really brought me into this world of superheroes. You know, all I cared about at the time was Batman, but Smallville introduced me to Superman and Lex Luthor. And I really have to credit that show with igniting the love that I have for a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast. And it's funny, man, because Lately, I've had more interest in those shows like Smallville or Arrow because of the Inside You podcast with Michael Rosenbaum. Every time I listen to that, I love when he has actors like Tom Welling or, you know, others that have been on CW shows, people that he's interacted with. Mm -hmm. It's such a fun show. and And I love hearing them talk about the behind the scenes of that show and what it was like at that time making that show, how huge the show was. Because I think, you know, when you're a kid and you're watching it, you don't realize how big the show is. Nope. You don't realize. Massive. You don't realize about a bunch of shits like. Even when you're watching movies like budgets or rights, yeah, like I'm watching X Men, I'm like, why don't they bring in Spider Man? Right, it's like, uh, because they can, because they legally, <laughs> they don't, they don't they have legally the cannot exactly. But on on Rosenbaum's podcast, I just love hearing about all the behind the scenes of the show and just all the different things that they went through. It was really yeah. cool. Um, Smallville is probably my favorite show of all time. Um, I absolutely adore that show. I watched every single season multiple times um it really goes to shit after <laughs> eight and a half but that's pretty good for a cw show though yeah it runs a like eight really eight and a half really good seasons and you say you tailed off after five yeah which is crazy because season six and seven are probably the best which is also when green arrow comes in which is also when green arrow comes in and like yeah i mean you're talking about six seven seasons in you're still putting out really good stuff a lot of fun they we explore a lot of um well-known characters but when they were younger and yes. stuff like that so yeah. yeah absolutely love smallville so tell me about when green arrow comes in played by justin harley like mm-hmm. I, I know you said that the dark knight returns was your first introduction to green arrow but i feel like here is where you really got to know the character yeah um he kind of comes in all robin hoodie mm-hmm. it's actually really interesting because remember that I believe it's like either the first or the second issue of Rebirth. I haven't read it in a while, but Oliver does his like traditional arrow and then like kind of hang glides across the city. Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially exactly what happens. Oh, like really? When, when Green Arrow comes in, he's like, he shoots his arrow from across the building, goes into this other building, steals something. And like, that was when we first get him. And he was like, um, he was playing more of like a Robin Hood type of role, like, right. you know, stealing from the rich and stuff like that. But he was so much fun. Obviously, as the seasons play out, he becomes a major character. I mean, um, I think it's bumped up to a series regular at, at yeah, one point. Yeah. Uh, Justin Harley plays him really well. I think Justin Harley is probably like, was one of the best like 
TV versions of like a superhero. Right. Like if you want to get like your your name brand and your store value, yeah. Like Justin Harley is probably like the best. He was like the Kirkland. Right, right. He was so the, the Kirkland, Kirkland okay, okay. of fucking uh, of, of Green Arrow. And, yeah. Um, Which you like him better than Stephen Amell? The thing about Stephen Amell is that I think that's his own show. So they were able to explore him more. Right. Those first few episodes when Ali is like le- legit traumatized. Right. Like he can't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Well, I'm sure that that's more character depth than, exactly. than, you than Justin do, Harley had in Smallville. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't do anything like that right, on, right. on fucking Smallville. I really like Justin Harley as the character. And he took it very serious. Like I told you, like every season he got more jacked. Right. And he got more and more into shape. There's interviews out there of how... Whenever he found out he was coming back, he would hit the gym right. because he just really wanted to look like a superhero. And I think um, I'm a recent gym freak. Mm-hmm. Homicidal gym pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a recent gym freak. But um, it's not easy yeah. to do that. No, it's not. <laughs> it is, it's very tough to put on a muscle. So the fact that he really took it upon himself to like diet and really put on. like I know we watched an episode. We watched one episode from season six. But like... When you go back, you watch him in season seven and eight, like the dude really bulks up. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that just goes to show how committed he was. But, uh, but yeah, I loved him in loved him in Smallville. Um, like I said, it kind of goes off the rails after the mid season finale of season eight. But, uh, but he was always a, a fun character. To yeah. Watch. Well, and now jumping over to Arrow, obviously. So Arrow comes in in two thousand twelve. And I think when Smallville ended, they were having discussions as to whether or not to spin off um, Justin Hartley's version of the character into its own show. And then I think they decided not to have it connect in that sense. And it's funny how then the Arrow show ends up spinning off and connecting to every other show that's on the CW. Mm-hmm. You know, so they decide to kind of go their their own way and, and, and do their own version of the character. And, you know, Stephen Amell comes in and... You know, right away they try to do almost like a almost like a Batman Begins kind of thing with with Arrow because it's 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 more a little more grounded, uh, more gritty, more gritty. We've been saying that way too much this episode. I hate that word. I gotta admit, like I am not a fan of any of the CW shows. I really don't care for them. Uh, but you're like, you should watch at least the first couple seasons of Arrow because it's pretty damn good. And watching the first season. Uh, it's better than I expected it to be, and I found myself wanting to watch the next episode after the one I just watched ended. So it definitely kept me invested. Uh, it does have that classic row, that classic teenage drama that all CW shows have, where it's just like you know love triangles mm-hmm. and who's dating who and who did what, and then there's that cheesy and then song you don't that plays. Love me. Yeah. You say you love me, but you don't. You love her. Right. And this is like, oh my god, every fucking. Time. It's it's all it's all that bullshit. Um, but I just I, I I just had a lot of fun with it, man. They they bring in like a ton of characters. You know, they bring in like Deathstroke, Dark Archer. Um, there's all that stuff with, uh, Maura Queen who's doing some shady shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's, I think if you're a fan of Green Arrow, there's a lot of fan service in, in, uh, in the series, but I think it's done, it's done well enough for the network that it's on. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, and that's actually a good point because when you think about Titans, that's a show that feels like a CW show that just has more money. That has more money. Exactly. And it sucks. And it sucks. <laughs> so I know people. Sorry, Titans fans. I know but... a lot of our podcasting friends think Titans is incredible. I don't know why. I think that show is is horrible. Yeah, it's uh I mean, I, maybe it's at some point we'll talk about Titans, but uh it's just I don't that know. That show has no identity. It has no identity. No identity. It's it does all not know what it wants to be. It's, it's like, also like the direction's just bad too. Direction's like, bad. Like, like the scenes, writing's like, not good. The way the way scenes play out, they're sometimes they're awkward. There's the way also the show like, is put together. Like they literally have no direction, no guidance. They don't know what they're doing, and it's fucking frustrating because this just has like Akiva Goldsman's fingerprints all over it. Like Yeah. Despite what you think of the CW shows, I think Greg Berlanti has established himself pretty well in television, and I just don't see any of his like his fingerprints. His, his fingerprints I don't on see this. anything. Yeah, I don't yeah. see it's well, who's the it was it's Berlanti, Goldsman, and is it Johns? It might be Johns. I'm not sure. Even though even as much as we shit on Jeff Johns, I think Star is good. Um, and I think what he's done on television has also been good. Yeah. So I think this is just more like this is a bigger production. So we're going to give it to the guy who's handled bigger production, right. which is Akiva Goldsman. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling you since day one. Yeah. Like since day one, I've just been venting to Nick about how frustrating the show is, about how they have no clear direction, no clear identity. 
finally Nick jumped on board on season three, mm-hmm. and he's just like, yeah, I'm like this show sucks. This show is, is not good. And I'm well, like, bro, I've been and, telling you, and it has it has its redeeming qualities. Like you have, um, I always forget how to, how do you say his last name, Brendan Thwaites, Brendan Thwaites, who plays uh, Robin slash Nightwing, uh, Dick Grayson. Like he's he's awesome. He's probably the best part of he the show. Is. I could watch a show. I could just watch a Nightwing show. That's what I mean. Like they should just do a show just on him because he's the only reason I think the show is worth watching. I think he plays the character very well. I think he's a really solid actor. I didn't because exp- I remember the first thing I saw him in was uh, the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and that movie sucked. That's the first thing. That's you the saw first him? thing I saw him in. I think I that. saw him in The Giver. Well, that movie sucked too, didn't it? Kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, the book is not the best book ever. Yeah, yeah But true. I just remember because I we had to read that fucking book in school. Right. Right. And like, it's like for some reason that book is like weirdly in my head. Yeah. Um. Out. But uh, and also, bro, speaking of um of actors getting really in shape to to play the role, I feel like he's another one that's just gotten more and more like jacked as the yeah. series has gone on. Well, you haven't watched season one or two. So I haven't. Well, I've, let's, I've let's, seen, keep here. let's keep it real. I've, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen enough of season one and two to know. I know. I know enough to know, but. But yeah, man, I think he's. Uh, I think he's. Like I said, he's the only bright spot on that show. Yeah, I think the issue is that again, they they were just trying so hard to be different. They were trying so hard to be hard, so they had like swearing and fake CG blood, and they were trying to be like cool and violent and dark and gritty. Yeah, and it worked. Right. I mean, business wise, it worked because it made money. People it are got watching views, it. Views. Um, it got good ratings. I don't know how. You know, if it's if it's if it's not broke. Or don't what's that? What's the term? Metaphor? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Metaphor. English is not my first language, <laughs> and um, apparently they they thought that it wasn't broke, where clearly it is. It's just a it's a poorly done show, right? It's just flat out. It's a yeah, poorly it's just done a poorly done show. show. I know, like I said, I know some people who are. I know one of a few of our seven loyal listeners <laughs> might think it's um, a really good show, but i not at all. Yeah, we, we, we don't see it that way. Nope. But jumping back to to Arrow, I mean, you were on board with that show for, what would you say, like like two and a half seasons? Three before, and a half. Three and a half before mm-hmm. like, it really kind of like fell off. Season I, one, is uh, it's finding its footing. Yeah. I told you to check it out, and I'm really glad you did. Season two is amazing. Yeah, Season two that's is what I hear. Really, I hear that's like really, the peak of the show. Really good. A lot of shit goes down. A lot of secrets come to the surface. We get some major character deaths and like emotional character deaths. Yeah. And Manu Bennett as Deathstroke is incredible. And that's a little similar to, again, Chicken or the Egg. But it was a similar situation as to what happens in Rebirth, where essentially Oliver is getting, I don't want to say fugitived. Um, he kind of is a little bit. Kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Where like his whole everything, like pe- people are like plotting and yep. kind of like taking out the ground beneath him. Um, it's similar to that, but it's Deathstroke pulling all the strings. Right. So, um, oh, that sounds fun. I'm actually excited to watch that. Now. Yeah, it's it's really, really yeah. good. But then we go into season three. And I remember season three, I went into it with that season two high. Mm-hmm. So I was like ready for it. And it was pretty good. And then we get the Ra's al Ghul introduction, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And we get the whole League of Assassins, which is really cool. And then we have this great battle between Oliver and Ra's al Ghul. And it's such a great episode, such a great scene. That mid-season finale of season three. And then after that, it goes to shit. It, I don't, for me personally. Well, how long did you stay on to the show before you like were like, like I'm three done. more? Really? I got like halfway through like six, and I kind of was like, nah, I'm I done. bailed. Yeah, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, but spoiler alert: Oliver dies. Right. Razagul kills him, mm-hmm. and it was so good. Yeah. Like Oliver's death is so fucking good. The way it's such a well done scene that fight between them. He survives. How I'm not gonna say. But it was so stupid. Really, they don't toss him like the Lazarus pit or anything. I'm not gonna say. Okay. <laughs> but it was so stupid as to how he survived. It was so dumb, and at that from that moment on, it, like, it's, it like the, it's like the show just never recovered. It lost me. Yeah. yeah. For me personally, never recovered. And then we went to Damien Dark, and I told you I'm not the biggest Neil McDonough fan, which is kind of wild because he's been in like everything. He's yes, he's, he's and a like, big uh, and just comic book stuff. He's been he's in a so big, much stuff. Uh, he's a big TV character yeah. actor. He's been in a lot of comic book stuff, but um. I don't like his face. I don't like that face. You need to change it. Change it quick. <laughs> <laughs> nothing against nothing against the guy. Nothing against him. He's you know he's a I'm sure he's a sweet man. But well, I was I'm gonna just... say like I, I, he was on uh, the inside of you with with Mikey Rosenbaum. Mm-hmm. He was on recently and it's uh, not Mikey. It's Rosie. Rosie, come on, bro. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be friends, you gotta you gotta you know with say Michael the right, Rosenbaum. You gotta say the right nickname. Rosie. Um, but yeah, he was on there, and he's he's an awesome dude, man. Like just hear him talk and like yeah. what, what he. Uh, but I'm just not. <laughs> I don't like just not. Fa- I like that face. <laughs> I'm just not the big kind of same thing again. No offense, I don't mean anything 
but also like Kern Walters who plays Red Hood. Yeah. On Titans. Like th- that's a fucking child playing Red Hood. Playing I know, Red I'm, Hood. I'm totally and with you. I do not buy it at every single time he steps up. I'm like, it's a fucking kid. Like that's not Red Hood. Like yeah. just kick him. Yeah, just kick like I'm just gonna like literally I'm gonna pick you up. I'm gonna punt you. Like yeah. I do not. Like there's no intimidation factor yes. from um from that character. But um, but yeah, like he can he comes in as Damian Dark and. It's really interesting too because I remember there was this other actor. I can't remember what his name is. I can see his face. Um, was he on the show or was it? He was on the show, and I I remember it was led to believe that he was Damien Dark. Okay, wait, is this guy a well known actor? Like, can I look him up? Or is if you he, look, or is, if you see his gonna... face, you'll know who he is. Okay, gotcha. All right, but, but I don't know. If, I don't know if you'll be able to pull him up. But I I like that guy. I'm like, oh, I buy this guy as Damien Dark. Yeah, but it turned out not to be him. I don't know if they were going to use him and then they kind of like fucked up and then they recasted the role. Yeah. But I was never really into the whole Damien Dark um, arc as him as the main villain. And like Arrow for me just really kind of went off the rails. It didn't really work for me after season three and a half. And same thing with Flash. Because I know you say you don't like the CW shows, but I think the first two seasons of Flash are incredible. Because yeah. first season, again, establish, like setting like getting your footing down. And then season two with Zoom mm-hmm. is like incredible of The Flash. And then kind of, it, it teeters off a little bit. Well, that's what's crazy about the CW shows, man. I don't know what happens with them, but I hear the same thing, like what you're talking about with everyone talks about too, how all these shows, they start off so strong and then they just fall off. So I don't know if it's it's the, the writers run out of things to tell or if it's just like, hey, this is what people like, keep writing the same shit over and over and over again. My thing, my... um. And it's never going to happen because who the fuck cares what Martin wants? But they do too much episodes. They yeah. do too many. It's 22 episodes. That is a lot. That's a lot. And yeah. it, there's no reason why it has to be 22 episodes. Because you got to think about it. There's maybe at least five mm-hmm. episodes, at least, definitely more, that turn out to be fillers. Yes. Where they're just throwing in stuff. Where, where I mean, even, even Arrow Season 1 had that. Yeah, had, like had all the money episodes. that you're putting into these extra episodes, these extra C-dub. Because... I believe Superman and Lois is only like it was only like I, think thir- I don't think it's thirteen maybe or 15, yeah I'm not sure like uh, I'm not sure I actually speaking back. of that it just popped up on HBO Max it's now all the full seasons on there oh my god because that, I hope that does not get the CW treatment I hope because I, the I hope first either, season yeah is incredible well I've only seen a couple episodes of it but the first it is the so first good. episode I was I've never been that on board with a CW show before I mm-hmm. watched it and I love. Like, they pull a lot of influence from everywhere. It doesn't have that same CW look. It's a little bit more cinematic. Obviously, it's... It's not as colorful as all the other shows. It's not as colorful. It takes a little inspiration from Zack Snyder, uh, you know, his take on the character a little bit when it comes to, like, the look. Mm-hmm. But it's... I, I really enjoyed it, man. It's it's a family drama that just ha- so happens to have Superman. Yeah, like, they, they went into this writing it as a family drama. Right. And then they just kind of added Superman afterwards. And i binged like five episodes one time i got really into it and it's really really good it's a really good series definitely check it out if you haven't yeah i definitely have a desire to jump back into that show now but going back to arrow how did you feel about stephen amell's portrayal as i like stephen as amell. yeah i do too. I, I'm, a, I'm actually a pretty big stephen amell fan even though he's not like um the flashiest star mm-hmm. but fun fact two fun facts actually his salmon ladder mm-hmm. that was like pretty much what got him the role Oh, really? Yeah, so he, like, essentially sent a video of him doing a salmon ladder. Yeah. And that was like, all right, this guy has a physicality. <laughs> right. Let's bring him on. Because he has a lot of parkour in the show, especially in the earlier seasons. Parkour! Extreme! Parkour! Parkour! So they were like, yeah, this guy works. Let's do it. And another fun fact is that he naturally has a very high-pitched voice. Mm-hmm. So that's why he always kind of talks. Oh, okay, got it. And well, it's funny, too, because, <laughs> I mean, we keep going back to the Inside of You podcast, but he was just on there recently promoting uh, Heels, which I, I definitely want to check out because I love wrestling, and that's apparently a really good show about wrestling. But uh, you could just tell how much he loves playing uh, Oliver Queen and Green Arrow, like how much he just loves And how much character. he loves wrestling. How much he loves wrestling, yeah, he's too. A massive, he's a massive yeah. wrestling fan, yeah. And I loved the um, the little kind of beef that he had between him and Dusty was, like, so much yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, it was that a was, blast, yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, but I mean, he really commits to the role. You could tell how much he loves it. And, and yeah, like, like just watching it and not really having seen personally, like a live action version of the character, you know, that's, that's who I associate Green Arrow with now. You know? Yeah. It's, it's and that, again, that, that version of Green Arrow is much more different. That live action version is different than the Smallville version. Yes. Because like I said, the Smallville version, it's more New 52. It's more tech driven. Mm-hmm. It, it suits more sleek. He's got goggles, more like, um, 
the the bow is a little bit more of like a, a tech, I don't want to say how do I say it? I guess a advanced bow. Advanced. It's got like, like little a, triggers a, a, a and shit. Compound bow, compact bow. Yeah, it's got like little shit. It's got he's got the voice modulator. Yes, um, I believe that. See, even the Mel's arrow eventually gets the voice modulator. I'm okay. not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he does. But he's more like traditional. He's got like your standard bow. He's got your arrows. Well, it's like, it's like we were saying before. It pulls from Green Arrow Year One. Yeah, it's not as sleek mm-hmm. or anything. It's not, it's not as advanced. So there is that sort of like fun um, differences between the two. Right, right. But yeah, so for me personally, only watched season one of, of Arrow, but I, I definitely had a lot of fun with it. It was fun seeing just all these characters come into play as I'm reading Rebirth. So I'm seeing characters like Shadow and Roy Harper. They just kind of pop up here. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really mm-hmm. cool to, to see these characters come in here and and just and just, it's like this massive just sandbox. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch them just play with all these characters. Yeah. And I will say, though, that even though I think the later seasons go to shit. There are those like there were those occasional um, moments that really stood out. That were really good. Yeah, yeah, like you have. Um, I think the thing that really sold me on the show was the uh, stunt work. Yes, the stunt work. And That's the right, man. The action scenes are pretty. The solid. action scenes yeah. in Arrow are really, really good. Um, so that kind of sold me on early on, and that aspect of the show never dies down. Yes, the stunts were always really good. The fight scenes were always and really I think, good. I think you told me that it gets better as it goes on. Yeah, like in terms and of the, the, um, from like a technical standpoint, yeah. like the camera work and things they do also they have like a great. I believe it's season six. It's like a great one shot. They're following um, Red Arrow and Diggle and everything through like a falling building. Mm-hmm. And the camera's kind of going in and out of the building, like going into the elevator. And it's like the way they did it was really well done. Oh, it's awesome. But other than that, uh, yeah. Not not that great. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about... But the crossovers are fun. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember. You, remember you saying that that the was earlier. Always... Cro- the crossovers were always a blast. Well, the first, the all. first one's just him and Flash, right? The first one is just him and Flash, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then as the Arrowverse got bigger, right? They they had a lot more, right? Um, with like character. Supergirl, Supergirl, and then, and then the Legends, Legends of Tomorrow, and then Batwoman gets thrown in there, which that one actually might sell you my favorite one. Where that's the one, the one before Crisis, right? Yes, yeah, that's okay. the one before Christ. That's when they actually introduced Batwoman, and yes. that one is fucking. That's the one that my boy, um, uh, Daniel Bernhardt, he mm-hmm. was the stunt coordinator on it. Oh yes, and the that's how. Really and good. that's how I became a fan of Daniel Bernhardt. Oh nice, because, okay. Like, I was oh, watching. I was watching this fucking episode, and I told you at this point I'm like a little detached, and I'm like. I'm like, who directed this episode? Yeah. Like, I needed to know who directed this yep, episode yep. because it was so well done. The choreography was so good. The stunts were so good. And he didn't direct it, but he was a stunt director. Right. And then he popped up, and I'm like, I know this guy. Yes. I've seen him, like... Well, I was going to say, if you guys don't know who Daniel Bernhardt is, the first thing I ever saw him was The Matrix Reloaded. He played mm-hmm. one of the new agents. Uh-huh. And then since then, you've seen him in movies like John Wick, uh, that episode of Barry in season two, which is phenomenal. It's probably the best episode of the entire series. I don't know if you remember, but when we were watching that episode and he pops up, he's like, oh, I know this guy. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's like a really good fighter. He does stunts. Yeah. And then the camera pans over and we see all like his medals. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, are we going to get like a big fight? Yes. Right and we end up getting it and it's amazing. And it's so good. Um, he And then I think one of the last things I saw him in was, well, he was in Nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Bob Odenkirk, and then he was also in Birds of Prey. He played uh, Black Mass Driver. Yeah, so he's um he's like the stunt guy in charge, but he always jumps in and in, plays like in, a, into, a, into the, these. Roles, I mean, because he yeah. looks like a movie star. He does look like a movie so star. So yeah. obviously, the guy fucking sells it. But he also had a small part in that episode. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah, nice. he's like one. He's like one of the street thugs. Oh, okay, you know? cool, cool. But uh, but he made Grant Gustin look intimidating, <laughs> which is hard. To which do. is hard to do because <laughs> even like when when Grant Gustin tries to pretend to be mad. It looks like a whiny child. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't buy you. But like, well, I would say, you want to talk about punchable faces? I think Grant Gustin has a very punchable face. Punchable. I don't know, man. I, I've heard some things about Grant Gustin. Not, 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 not been great. I don't know not if it's great. true or not, yeah. but. Um, you hear rumors. There's rumors in the Twitter sphere. Regardless of the fact, I did really like Arrow for a while and then I just think kind of fell off. But that episode of the crossover they switch roles so oliver becomes barry and barry Mm -hmm. becomes oliver and you essentially have oliver in barry's body and they're clearly two different characters so they really did a good job of like you know playing him up as like this like tough vigilante who uses his fist doesn't really fight you know so so that was a lot of fun and that's the one that ends with black suited superman Oh, okay. Like, gotcha. Oh my god, that episode is so good. <laughs> it is so fucking good. I remember when Hecklin came in, 
with the black suit at the end. I fucking lost my mind. Yeah. I literally screamed. I did a lap because I love Tyler Hecklin as Superman. I think he is the Kirkland. Yes. He's the Kirkland. Well, I mean, he's great in the Superman. Yeah, he's, like, he's the he's Kirkland, awesome. uh, the best store value for television. So, uh, so yeah, some good stuff there. For sure. Well, let's keep on the subject of live action Green Arrow and talk about the possibility of him coming up in the DCEU because mm -hmm. there was an announcement that they're going to make a Black Canary film for HBO Max with Journey Smollett. Why? I do not know. Well, I guess there's there's enough of a fan base there. And uh, I know there's not, Nick. You know there's well, not. I'm, I'm, I'm being nice. I'm being nice. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to be an asshole here. Um, and I think Misha Green is going to take on writing duties. And I don't know if she's going to direct, but Misha Green did Lovecraft Country, which we only watched one episode of. But mm -hmm. it was the one episode was good, but then the show got canceled. So it's like, well, I guess I'm not just I, I can return to it. But it's almost like a what's the point at this stage. But as soon as Black Canary got announced, I immediately thought that this could be the time to introduce Oliver Queen in a more cinematic landscape. The show just wrapped and WB might be hesitant to do a Green Arrow solo film. But here you have him coming as a supporting player, see how the audience responds, and I think it just makes perfect sense. For starters, I don't even know if this is going to happen. Yeah. I, this, that is me, true. I mean, it's HBO Max. And this to me content, feels so. like one of um, DC has a really bad history of announcing shit that never comes that to never light. That never happens, yeah. And even though they're trying to course correct and fix their shit, eight years later, I know. Eight years later, they're still trying to fucking fix shit. Um, this to me feels like one of those that could possibly just never get off the ground. Yeah, I mean, I would kind of be a little disappointed with that because I wasn't the biggest fan of Birds of Prey, but I would like to just see some of those characters continue. So that's, here's here's that, the thing. That's kind of where I'm at. Is he going to be black? Because for Nick, if, if you didn't know, if you didn't know. If I didn't know. DC stands for diverse characters. Diverse characters. That's yeah, right. We that's have exactly a, uh, what a black, black canary. Yes. Uh, who's a woman, she, by the way. She is a Journey woman. Journey Smollett is a fucking woman yes. and a half. Oh. Um, we have black Batgirl. Yes. Black Commissioner Gordon. Yes, that we do. Two black Superman. Yep. It's all diverse. It's all diverse. You know, we're, we're woke. DC. DC is very woke. I mean, I, I'm, I'm hearing rumors that when they finally do Justice League Dark for HBO Max, that Constantine is going to be black. That's what they're looking for, that kind of actor for the role. And it's one of those things where, like, if if Oliver Queen, if they end up going with, with uh, you know, like a like a black actor for Oliver Queen, I mean, he it's he's not defined by his race, but I'm just so dead set on... Charlie Hunnan playing him mm -hmm. because like I feel like he is Oliver Queen like every time I look at him and I look at like that rebirth run and, and how they draw the character I'm like that is it that is 100% Charlie Hunnam like that I, is, I, I, yeah. can't, I can't see I can't see anybody else playing him but him but it, it's not like those sort of fan casting because I agree with you Charlie Hunnam is Oliver Queen those types of fan casting it never, situations, it never, they it never happen. happen it never happens. they never ever ever oh. ever pan out yeah. so here's my issue with this because Again, I felt like everything DC has been doing, well, not everything, but I think a big part of what DC has been doing in regards to like the, the projects they've been announcing have all yeah. been politically driven. I think so too. Because a lot of like, you know, kind of like cancel culture and, and woke culture and everything that's been going on in the past year, everything they've been announcing has kind of been reflective of that. Yeah. And trying to play into. Right. Like play into that. Stuff, they literally yeah. try to play into the youngins, the people nowadays as like a marketing ploy. That's, yeah. that's really what I honestly that's feel, that, what, it, what it I is feel like. Like there's nothing genuine about the decision. Exactly. They so and they, even, well, it's funny too, bro, is the, is the first uh, project for Black Superman that that got announced. Um, it wasn't Val Zod. And then it came out that it was going to be a version of Clark Kent. Yeah. It's like, and, and, and honestly, dude, like nobody want, like I, like if you, if you went on Twitter after that got announced, it didn't matter what type of person you are. Nobody wants that movie. So I would be shocked if it actually gets made because there was such a backlash on it. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, you're firing Cyborg. Yes. You're getting rid of Ava DuVernay. Right. Who's going to do New Gods. So it's like, they got rid of her. So it's like, what the fuck? It is so weird what's going on. It's so weird that we're still having these like frustrated DC discussions so long after they tried to establish their universe. But going back to what I was saying of how I feel like everything sort of politically driven and sort of a woke decision like they're announcing all these projects with all these diverse characters and then they go ahead and they announce a black canary project and right. i'm like i don't know why because for me birds of prey did not it's not like birds of prey made a bunch of money right it's not like birds of prey has a massive fan base mm -hmm. no one was raving about black canary after that movie came out yeah. you know like it's not like when you think of Suicide Squad, everyone was raving about Harley Quinn. Right. As, you know, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. When BVS came out, everybody was talking about Batman. They were mm -hmm. like, the movie sucked, but Batman was awesome. Right. You know, um, so 
there wasn't any of that here. There was like not a single peep of like, oh my God, Black Canary was amazing. So I don't see the fan base. I don't see the appeal. I love Journey Smollett, mm-hmm. but like, let's keep it real. Her show just got canceled. Right. You know, and regardless of how, whatever kind of factors you want to bring in, whatever into you it, yeah. want to bring in, her show got canceled. She, so I don't know if she has that sort of like selling ability. However, 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 Oliver Queen does have a selling ability. Yes. If you're going to make this project and you mentioned that it's going to feature Oliver Queen, then that's going to bring a lot of people over. I so, so I too. think that is why we, I 100% think we are going to get Oliver Queen in this. Whether he's black or white, like you said, it does not matter. Well, I also think, too, that if you're going to bring Oliver Queen into this, like if, if this movie does get made and it's for HBO Max, it's not going to have a massive budget. So it's not like you can get a full-blown A-lister to play Oliver Queen. Mm-hmm. But someone like Charlie Hunnan, I say Hunnan or Hunnam? I think it's Hunnam. I keep saying it wrong. All right. I know, but Hun- hey, he's not going to demand a lot of money. That's what I mean. He's so. not going to demand a lot of money, but... I think he's a big enough face mm-hmm. that if people see that, they're going to be like, oh, fuck, he's in this too? I'm going to watch this. You know? Right, so and, I, I and it'll like be it like that good fan service. But yeah. again, like you said, those kinds of fan service things just never really play out. Right. But regardless of who they bring in, because, I mean, again, to keep it real, we've already gotten two Ho-Whites. That we we've have. We've gotten two Ho-Whites um, Green Arrow. So if they want to bring in a, a black Green Arrow, then that's totally fine. So regardless of the actor who they bring on, um, I think they're going to use Oliver Queen as like a big selling point, and, and also like in a supporting role. Like I think that that yeah, be a, I think a he's really going to have a pretty way. significant role. Yeah. And whether he is Green Arrow or not is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Just the name Oliver Queen is going to bring people on board. And yes, whether he's been already established as as the Archer or not, because we also have to remember this takes place in the DCEU, right? So we haven't really heard any. But then again, the DCEU is in shambles. It is in shambles. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen exactly. after Flash? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter of whether he's established or not. But depending on who you bring in, you're looking at possible multiple appearances of this actor as his character moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And then if you want to continue on, because this is all happening on HBO Max. So whether or not they want to do some sort of series or if they're just going to do his own movie for HBO Max. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play it out. And, and and like I said, dude, like I'm really on board with, I think they should bring Oliver Queen into Black Canary because as I was watching Birds of Prey, the first time I saw it, like I said, I had no knowledge of who Green Arrow was. I didn't realize how big a part of Oliver Queen plays into Black Canary and vice yeah. versa. Like they're like they're kind of hand in hand. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's Selena and Bruce. Exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. So I, it's almost like how can you do one without the other? So I think this is the perfect opportunity for them to introduce Oliver Queen into the more cinematic live action of the DCEU. And it's just I, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. I yeah. So and too. then, well, it's, uh, you know, maybe they'll announce it at Fandom. Maybe. No, we'll see. It's possible. It's possible. It's definitely possible. But uh All right, Nerds Nation, so that does it for us. Thank you guys for joining us during this Unite the Seven event. It was a ton of fun. We really appreciate that we got picked to be a part of it. Really big shout out to to Chris over at Oblivion Bar. He's kind of like the mastermind behind this. He's done just a fantastic job of scheduling and and figuring this all out. So so thank you, man, for for thinking of us. You know, and I guess that means, bro, some people like our show. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I always say we got seven loyal listeners. I I love those seven loyal Mm -hmm. listeners, bro. I do. Do it for them. Uh, Martin, is there anything else you want to say before we uh, sort of sign off here? No. Um, thank you guys for joining us. If this is your first time coming on here via the Unite the Seven um, episodes, then I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you didn't, thank you for giving us that click, that play. We put a penny in our pocket, so we definitely <laughs> appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Definitely. Uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to the FN Nerds podcast wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at FN underscore nerds or on Instagram at FN Nerds. Make sure you guys tune in next week for Unite the Seven, where comic book couples counseling will be covering Martian Manhunter. Who I absolutely I know. Love. You're, you're a big fan I'm of I'm a big Manhunter. John Jones fan. Um, one of my favorite like top three moments still to this day in the Arrowverse was when um, John Jones revealed himself to Alex mm. to be uh, Martian Manhunter because at that point he was no he was um he was Hank uh, Hank Hankshaw yeah for so for the comic book people who know he's um Cyborg Superman right who's technically a bad person right so this whole time and like and. And in the little bits that we got of Supergirl from him early on, um, I was like, okay, he's a bad guy. He's out here scheming. And there are moments where his eyes glow red. Yeah. Something, okay, he's a cyborg. Right. And when he reveals himself to be 
John Jones, March Manhunter, I literally Did you lose your shit? I lost my <laughs> mind. I could not but and not you gotta realize that's the first time we've ever seen him in live action. Right, true. True. So like I I was like, oh my God. Well, because like, fucking screamed. Because that's probably and one the, and it you'd led up. Yeah, and it led like the way it played out is it, just playing out, playing out, playing out. And I'm like, no. Don't <laughs> yeah. wait, is it him? Yeah. Like, oh my god, is it him? And he goes, I am the last one. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I fucking like lost my mind. <laughs> and then the relationship that he has with him and Alex and Kara, like, um, Supergirl's another one. I actually I don't have anything in Supergirl. Like I said, like the last couple of seasons of um Aaron and Flash were shit. Um I didn't what up to where I left off was always good. Yeah, for Supergirl. I've always and I always enjoyed. I think I watched like three seasons. Um but really the relationship between Alex Kara and um John or Hank, whatever you want to call him, was always like pretty much the driving force. Like they right. have such a good like a bond. Yeah, like father because in the show he's essentially sent by he's he's um who is play, they're the Alex and Kara's dad is played by Dean Cain. Oh, I'll, I'll shit. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, Dean Cain goes, like, Dean Cain, um, he's a member of the DOD, and he goes to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, like, there's, like, tr- there's like hints of, a, you know, of, like, an alien in the, I believe it actually was a Peruvian Rainforest. Um, but he goes with the real Hank Hank shot mm-hmm. to kill Jean. However, Hank ends up dying. Um, he, you know, their her their dad also ends up dying, and like his last wish to Jean was like protect my daughters. Oh, okay. So then he goes back as Hank Hankshaw, like disguised, and he just becomes like really great father figure for the two girls. And it's like such like their dynamic is literally what like sells the show. Really yeah, good. like between the three of them, between Alex and Kara, it's so good. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, well, it's funny too because I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't watch Supergirl, so I'm just looking through like the cast list here, and uh, Sam Witwer's in the show. Yes, yeah. he comes in uh, a nice little, little later. Nice little Star Wars uh, connection there. Oh, I thought you were gonna say um, Smallville. Well, Smallville he, as well. That's right. Smallville he plays too. he plays Doomsday yes. in Smallville in um, season eight, and that's when it goes to shit. Yes. <laughs> Nothing against Sam Witwer. I yeah. absolutely love Sam Witwer. I've met him a few times. Have so you? Dude is really cool. No shit. He has no idea who I am, but like, yeah, he's a, he's a, <laughs> a really cool dude. Um, but uh, but yeah, he also voices Maul. He's yeah. a he's a huge Star Wars fan, but. Yeah, Chloe gets married in season eight in the mid-season finale. It was it's literally one of like the twenty relationships that Chloe has in that fucking series. Like every single person, every single dude in that show has a relationship, has a relationship with, Chloe. with Chloe. Um, but she gets married, Lana comes back after like being gone for a whole like season and a half. Doomsday wrecks the wedding. Yeah. And then that was like the mid-season finale, and it was like a cliffhanger. And you were like, holy shit. And it was really interesting because up to that point. Season eight was so good, right? Like it was fucking good. Like it had a little bit more money, yeah. So it was a little bit more effects, right? Like, it was it was really good. And then it comes back and it's yeah. and then the final battle between Clark and Doomsday is just so lame. Is it really? It's so stupid. <laughs> and yeah, not great, Bob. Not great. But we've been rambling on for too long. Thank you guys again for joining us. And with that, we'll catch you in the next one. And one more last thing: comic book couples counseling. Who is doing John Jones? Yeah. Um, I hope they eat some Oreos. Ah. while they're doing it don't say uh, you don't know what I'm talking about but they know they'll get it they'll, they'll, they'll understand they'll understand I hope they uh, they have an Oreo or two while, uh, while they do the episode I mean if it's John Jones you gotta get some of those cookies alright that's all <laughs> alright later guys <laughs>